Well, let me start by welcoming you again. If you're new or you're watching online, we're really excited that you're here. Uh, my name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors, and you are a part of a series right now called Dragons and Dandelions. Uh, we started the series last week, and we uh, entitled it A Reckless Invitation, and we asked people to really pray about basically whether they would be a part of this journey uh, truly all of themselves, whether they would be engaged in, in all the steps that it takes to face our dragons and our dandelions. And let me just kind of capsulate that. Dragons and Dandelions is a teaching series around learning to face through Christ and together the big and small, difficult to overcome struggles within our lives. And so this idea that we all face things, that we all, that we all uh, need things in our lives uh, to go away that, that keep us from being who we are, I don't think is, is uncommon knowledge. I think what's uncommon is that the idea that some things are dandelions and some, some things are dragons, but that they're not always the same to everybody. So someone else could walk into a room full of people like this and they get energy, they're filled up, where to someone else they get filled with anxiety. And if we're not careful, we can make what's just a dandelion to us uh, and a dragon to someone else. We will miss this idea that, that there are kinds of situations we all sit in that cause all of us to react differently. The thing I want to say again is that both dragons and dandelions are the things in your life that are difficult to kill. They just don't go away. And yet the reality is they never stop coming, it feels like. They're always around. They're always uh, uh, present. They're always available to affect us. Last week I talked about how we don't stop and reflect. How because we now know these things exist, we often don't stop and reflect. And therefore we don't really deal with them very often. Today, we're going to face some. Today, for some of you, it's going to be uncomfortable. And that's okay. Because today, we're going to stop and let that stuff that's been chasing us catch up. Because stopping allows the hurt to catch up. And I like this statement. We all start our healing by stopping to hurt. Now, some of you, just the fact I just said this, you're like, oh, oh, hold on a second, I, I, I'm here to adventure, I'm here to battle. Your first step into battle is to stop and pick a direction. Your first step into battle is to stop and let what's been catching up to you actually catch up. I shared that in my own therapy journey, I thought I was getting geared up to go and face these things that impacted me as a young man or last year, when in reality, most of the time, I just sit in the chair and let what's already been chasing me actually turn the corner. The first time this happened to me, I was with my therapist, and he asked me about some words. And all of a sudden, as he's sharing these words with me, I kept trying to avoid and skip to other parts of my story. And he's like, well, hold, hold on a second. Hold on. Danny, what do you, when I say this, what, what's going on in your mind? And he started saying these things to me. And I've never had this happen, but suddenly the room just got real small. I mean, like, like real small. I thought, this is going to be so embarrassing if I pass out right now. So I'm just going to sit here and breathe. And so I breathe, and then he leaned forward. This is what he said. He said, what are you feeling right now? Today, I want to ask you, when I say the words body image, what are you feeling right now? When I say the words bullying, what are you feeling right now? When I say the words addiction or apathy, what are you feeling right now? When I say the words lust, when I say the words loneliness, when I say the words 
beautiful. When I say the word safe, what are you feeling right now? Is the room getting small for some of you? That's all right. That's all right. Just lean on somebody to your left. Don't let anybody hit the ground. Now, here's what's beautiful about this. Just the fact that all the room can get sucked out of the air with nine words and some time to think goes to show that you all got some undealt with dragons and dandelions. Because we all do. That's what we're entering into. That's where we're going. So I want to pray for us. Because this space that you're in right now can easily be avoided. You can step out. You can, you can take back the permission you gave last week. You can go, I'm not ready to deal with this stuff. And that's fine. Just keep running. It's not going to stop following you, but you can put some distance between it and distract yourself probably with some of the things I just talked about. Or you can sit in a safe place with the Holy Spirit presence for the next 30 minutes and ask God to highlight, to bright lights, to showcase, to expose, to point out. All of those words, by the way, are wrapped up in convict you in regards to some stuff you've, you've been uh, avoiding. I'll go with you. I'll go first. We'll do it together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this room right now are all kinds of people from all kinds of stories. They bring all kinds of emotion with them. And Lord, there is no way that I can meet those needs responsibly. But Lord, you can. Scripture says you know everything they're dealing with. You know everything that they're wrestling with. You know every good thing for them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just rest upon them, that they would feel uh, just the, the, the pressure, if you will, of your presence as they calmly let their shoulders down, exhale, and ask some different questions than they've been asking. Instead of asking, Lord, why is my life like this? And why does this keep happening to me? And why do they do that to me? Lord, perhaps they can instead just sit and say, what, Lord, do you have for me? Where, Lord, do you want me to go? Who, Lord, have you laid upon my life? How, Lord, do I rely more on you? God, we enter into a sacred space. We respect that. We recognize you're the leader of it. We boldly reach in and reach up to you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You ready? Okay, so let me start off with giving you a little something that happened to me this week that I think will be insightful for you in the room when it comes to how different people face different things. So the idea that dragons and dandelions are different for different people. Some people's dragons are dandelions to others. Some people's dandelions are dragons to others. Uh, this week, when I was getting ready to, or last week, when I was getting ready to launch this series, my 19-year-old daughter came in the room and she says, oh, dad, I love this logo. And I'll show you the original logo that we originally pulled this from. And I said, you do? And she goes, oh, that's so awesome. I love that flower. And I said, well, I'm doing it inside the Dragons and Dandelions series. And she goes, Dad, listen, this flower could represent us. And her and I have a thing, not 18, but 19, which she turned this week. We were going to get matching tattoos of something. And she goes, Dad, this is what I want to get. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Now I'm thinking different because tattoos, you got you to take serious. But she loved it. And I said, okay, okay. And she goes, yeah, it represents you, me, and Mom. And I showed Aaron. And the first thing my wife said is, yeah, yeah, it does. This one's you, Danny. This one's Taylor floating off in the world. And Taylor, this is what happened to my body after having all your kids. <laughs> this is my body right now. So that's right. Put it on you. So we did. And... Uh, <laughs> I just, 
Now, now here's really something special that, that, that I'm going to use to illustrate this idea that we don't all know what we think we do. So my daughter and I kept talking and prepping for our tattoo and everything else, and eventually she, she kind of worked up the courage, and she goes, um, can I talk to you about the flower? Now, before I tell you the story, here's what I'm going to ask. This is going to be what we call a living illustration. I need you to trust me for the next 30 seconds, and when I ask you a question, no matter how foolish you feel about the question, I need you to agree in your head, yes, I'm going to raise my hand. Okay? It's not, gonna, it's not that bad, but it's bad enough that if I didn't prep you, you would... You'd sit back like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I need you to raise your hand and answer this question, yes or no. My daughter comes to me and she says, Dad, here's my only question. Why is the series not called Dragons and Wishes? Why'd you call it Dragons and Dandelions? And I, I took me a minute and I go, I don't, I don't know what you mean. Those are dandelions. And she goes, no, those are wishes. Those are the flowers you, you pick and you blow. And I said, Taylor did you not know that dandelions and wishes are the same flower? And she goes, what? <laughs> and we had this amazing laugh. And then, of course, the tattoo now means even more because it's like the instant my daughter became a woman, right? Like, oh, I had no idea. So that just struck me hard, right? Like I was dying. So then I was sitting with a group of friends all around my age. I don't know if they're here right now because I'd love to point them out. And I said, you got to hear the story. And so I share the story. And everybody laughs except for like four people. And I went, hold on. Did you not know that dandelion? And they're like, uh-uh, I know. I'm going to play a quick video for you for those of you who care about this kind of thing. Because you're thinking, I don't really know if he's telling the truth. But while I'm watching this video and you're being proven that dandelions and wishes, as we call them, are the same flower, I just want you to be authentic, I want you to raise your hand if you just learned that in this series or today from me. Raise your hand. Raise it up high. Don't raise it. Okay. 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 Now, here's what's, here's what's beautiful about what we just experienced. <laughs> so many people are like, ah, I learned so much from Jesus today. Like, nope, that's, that's, <laughs> Danny did this miracle where he took those little yellow flowers and he turned them into those little white flowers. The Holy Spirit's presence incredible at our church. You got to come check it out. <laughs> These are the same flower, but here, here's, here's what I want to, to offer up. When it comes to issues, some of us think are, are dandelions, right? Anxiety, depression, uh, uh, walking into a public space. I could go on and on and on and on. Oftentimes, People don't share about those things because so few other people actually even realize it's an issue. When I ask some of you in the room to raise your hand to admit to something you didn't know that you just learned, it separated you from everybody else and not a single hand in the room shot up. Every hand went head high. I promise. No matter how the confidence, no matter the upbringing or the education, no matter the, the God-given gifts and anointing, when you suddenly realize you're the minority, and you're dealing with something no one else dealt with, it's like, I guess I didn't know that, right? This is when approaching dragons and dandelions, how some people feel every day. And that's why as we dive into this biblical text, we have to put ourselves in a place to realize that for some people, what they're dealing with is different than for other people. It's a beautiful picture and a wonderful living illustration of what we're about to dive into, Amen. 
Amen. Okay, so we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to talk uh, about a woman named Hannah. And we don't talk enough about the way God used uh, powerful women in Scripture to, to teach and to set tones. But most of us don't really know about Hannah, but we know about her son Samuel. Samuel was this incredible prophet that just, that just that took God's word by storm to the people of Israel. He did all these incredible things. But there's a story before Samuel, and it sits within the story of Hannah, his mother. Today's passage starts with this woman who's turning to face, like I talked with you, the hurts chasing her. This is what it says. First Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man, was, was, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penaniah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Though the Lord had closed her womb... And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? I read this to my wife recently. and She goes, that's something you would say. That is such a man thing to say when people are struggling. Like, am I not? I'm here. What's the problem? The reality is this woman has a dandelion issue every day of her life and a dragon issue perhaps once a year when she goes to the temple and her issues are exposed. And that issue is for her barrenness. She wants children. And every day she wakes up and sees little things happening all around her. And she, she feels those dandelion pains and she struggles but she pushes through but then she goes to the temple and the other wife and the kids and the community and the family start highlighting all that she's missing and it becomes this big looming dragon of a problem and this idea that your dragons and dandelions can interchange is very important depending on the season depending on what you're dealing with depending on maybe 15 dandelions turn into a dragon for you maybe just one dandelion in your manicured life turns into a dragon for you the idea is this you don't know what people are dealing with stop pretending like like you do and have some empathy. Engage with people where they're at. Recognize their story and understand all of us are on our way to try and get rid of those things in our life that continue to hurt us. I wonder, I'll put it up, how often we are missing what lies beneath the eyes of the person sitting across from us. Whether that person is a, a, a spouse or a child or someone of authority or someone that, 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 uh, that we meet on the street, it doesn't really matter. How often do we look beneath the eyes of the person across from us to see what it is they're carrying and how it is they're carrying it? Eventually, Hannah gets to this place after years of going to the temple and years living with this situation. And it's this really special, special sacred place of hopelessness. She comes to this hopeless place and she cries out to God. Verse 9. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed and a vow and this is what she said. O Lord of hosts, 
If you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Now, if, if, if Hannah went and sat in a therapy office, right, with a therapist, and she said this to him, I believe he would first off slow her down and he would start asking, Hannah, what do you mean return to the Lord? See, Hannah's issue is really not just that she doesn't have a child. It's this bigger looming issue of why did God forget me? Why did God not bless me? What did I do? How many situations have happened to you where the situation happened to someone else, but for some reason it impacts you completely different? Maybe, I don't know, you could look into the situation and ask yourself, is it that God let it happen that, that hurts you more than almost that it did happen? And so you walk into a church to worship the one who is responsible. And you got a blockage in your heart because you've never just came out like she did and told him. You know what Hannah did here? She sat down and she let him come running. She let the problems come running. She let the emotions come running. And they washed over her. And right there in this public place, she cries out to God. And she says, read between the lines, you forgot me. You don't see me. If you look at me, I'll look at you. If you look at me, I'll look at you. If you give to me, I'll give to you. Give me a child, and I will give him to you. Now, this is an important thing, because a lot of times in church, we think there's a certain posture we got to go before the Lord. And I'm just here to tell you, I'll preach a whole series on it if you need me to, but there are like a thousand different ways people approach the Lord. Some of them are respectful, some disrespectful, some loud, some quiet, some conscious, some subconscious. Some don't even know what's going on. They're just walking along the road like Paul, right? And suddenly, bam, Jesus is like, what you doing, Paul? What's going on, Paul? And he's like, he's not even looking for him. Other people show up and they're crying out to God. And they're like, where are you? Where are you? Stop pretending everybody's dragons and dandelions equal their posture. Instead, just come to God with what you are. Slow down and let your stuff catch you. Because it will mess you up. The room will go small. The tears will come or the rage will come. And you will suddenly be authentic before your God, proclaiming exactly what it is you want to be remembered and to be given to. This is this place. This is the hopeless place. And this is a critical, critical part of Hannah's story for us because the truth of it is, if you look at scripture, everyone's story of salvation begins in this same hopeless place, everyone's. Nobody comes to Jesus negotiating. Nobody comes to Jesus bringing something to the table. Everybody brings nothing to the table. And the only place I know nothing lives is in hopeless town. You gotta go there to the hopeless place. That's when you finally said to Christ, whether it was camp at a, with kids or two services ago here, or if you're about to get there, you got to go to a place to go, I, I, don't, I don't have it anymore. I don't own it anymore. This isn't mine anymore. I'm out of control and I need some help. And no project or person or thing or structure is going to fix it for you. No amount of money or, or, or addiction or storytelling is going to fix it for you. And you just got to go before God and say, God, I am hopeless. And that's like God's thing. That's like God's, he's like, oh, somebody's that hopeless? Woo, here we go. Somebody said, oh, somebody needs. But when people are like, hey, God, I have some ideas on how you might bless my life better. God's like, yeah, you don't got any ideas compared to my ideas. You don't even know you how I know you. 
we got to get to this hopeless place. Look at these verses that represent this idea, Psalm 36. David says, I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning, I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. The room is getting small, Lord. And you sit in this place, and you cry out like he did again. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. For I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity, and I'm sorry for my sin. He says, you know why God's going to save me? Because I'm unsavable, and he's the only one that can do that. God loves unsavable things. He gets tons of glory and story from unsavable things. That's serious. Somebody write that down, glory and story. That's going to be amazing. God gets tons of glory and story from unsavable things. But you got to get to a place where you realize you're unsavable. Otherwise, you're like the person being rescued, you know, by the lifeguard, and you're punching him in the face saying, stop it, I'm drowning. God's like, I'll wait till you're almost unconscious then with your own poor decision making. And then I'll pull you up. It's <laughs> a lot of word pictures here today. It's a lot of visual things happening. But the idea is that God wants to meet you in your unsavable place just like he did here. It's at this point God chose to bless Hannah. This is a clear picture of our salvation because God decides to bless her by giving her a son that she's going to have to give away. Think about it. Tie it into the reason we're here. His name is Jesus. 1 Samuel 1, 18 through 20, and she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went, over, went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. You know why her face wasn't sad? Because she let God have it all. She was like, you can take all of it. And she left it there, no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. There it is. He remembered her, what she asked. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Samuel is a gift that has been given. It's a gift that doesn't belong to her, but she knows it. This is another huge principle when God saves us. When God saves you, look at it. When God saves us, all we are and all we have belong to him. Our kids belong to him. Our marriage belongs to him. Our stuff belongs to him. Everything, and that, by the way, isn't just physical stuff. That's the stuff I'm talking about chasing you right now, that you're letting sniff around the edges. All that stuff belongs to Jesus when we come to him. Now, Hannah goes up every year to the temple, but she has this child. And what she tells her husband is, I'll go up, but let's wean him first. And of course, throughout that time, like any mom would, she's bonding, she's connecting. This is her baby, this is her son. And yet she made this arrangement with God to give him back to her. The three years come and now it's time. And I think we read these passages I'm not going to say wrong, but wrong, completely wrong. We don't read them right at all. And we read them like Hannah had this incredible discipline or spiritual insight. And she was like, all right, bye, Tommy. It's almost like school, but forever. See ya, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. And for some of you, you're like, actually, that sounds awesome. Like kindergarten until you're 30, out, right? It's, it's not good. It's not good. But we don't really realize she's handing her three-year-old little boy to the, to the church, to God. Because she knows she has to. But listen, listen how she does it. Verse 24. And when she had weaned him, 
She took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli, and she said, here's her presentation of her son. She said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, Kian, therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there, and we know for the rest of his life. She never came back and got him. She would come and visit him probably yearly, culturally, but she never came back and got him. Now here's, here's what you're missing if you don't slow yourselves down. Hannah comes to give to the Lord what, what has already been given to her, like we all do. But Hannah is so fully present because she gave all to God at the beginning that she recognizes she overpromised. See, no mom's given up that baby even to God. She overpromised. And so she changes the words from give to lend. She says, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smack you right in the face with this right now, okay? Because some of you need to understand something. Somebody in your life told you that these issues that you deal with, no matter how big or small, you're supposed to give to God and never go back and pick them up. It's not real. It's unrealistic. And it's not actually how it works. See, you're broken and I'm broken. And the reality is the very best I can do is simply lend my issues to the Lord. Now, why do I say that? You're like, well, hold on, we're supposed to give it. He pays for it all. He does. But the, part of the definition of lending is that if you go back to the person who you gave it to and you go, I'd like that problem back, I think I can do it better, God goes, oh, okay, here you go. See, God never takes your problems, fixes them, heals them, locks them up, and pays them off. He says, anytime you want to come back and take it, it's right here. So really, all we're ever doing is lending these problems to God. And this is what it's highlighting. This is what it's highlighting. It's highlighting the difficulty of giving anything especially a son who is worth more than everything else to you. And yet it says God gave his only son to you and to me. See, we overpromise. God doesn't. We lend our problems to God, and hopefully for the rest of our lives we never pick them back up. But God is constantly paying off the debt right? That's Jesus. He's transforming us through the pain off of the debt because the wages of sin is death. I could do this for the next hour because of the loan of our problems we've given him. This is why we see people and we live inside their stories because they're picking up and paying off and putting back on and lifting and, and, and getting rid of. And this is why hope is so important for people to come into a place like this because you don't know what God just paid off for them and that they lent him for that week. And you might be the only person in this life to come alongside and encourage them not to go pick it back up. God's got it. God's got it. And so you've got to have eyes to see what people are dealing with. You've got to have eyes to look around you and see that people are constantly setting down things that they know are overpromised. And they're saying, I'll never drink again. I'll never cheat again. I'll never get online again. I'll never lie again. I'll never do this again. But yet at the same time, in their hearts, they're dragons and dandelions. They cannot kill without lending to God. And so your job is to encourage that lending while seeing your own place inside your own story, which puts you alongside those people in empathy and encouragement. 
This is why community is so important, all you people who say, oh, I just do church at home or in the woods. That's awesome. Go bring five friends, though, that can work with you and remind you of the struggle that life is. Go in the woods with your five friends. Then that's church. And I'm not saying going to see Jesus under a tree isn't awesome, but there's, the trees don't speak back and ask hard questions. So I'm saying, Hannah lent her problems to God, and she claimed it because she brought her whole humanity to the story. She said, I messed up. I overpromised. I'm going to give him, kind of. And that's what made Samuel so unbelievable was this mom that I think spoke into his life. You be you, Samuel. You be honest, Samuel. You bring to God. He's trustworthy. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But just keep lending your problems like I lended you. And God blessed her with, with beautiful future and beautiful hope like he wants to bless you with beautiful future and beautiful hope. This is our time. This is our season. To, to, we are the, the point of the spear in our community for Jesus Christ. This is why we're making investments into people that are going to run alongside because there is darkness that needs to be pushed back. Because the world says you'll never pay that off. Jesus says, I already paid it. And everybody lives somewhere in between. I'm choosing to run towards the light. I'm choosing to fight towards the light. I'm choosing to drive towards the light, preach towards the light, serve towards the light, love towards the light, lift towards the light, lay down towards the light, pray towards the light. It, it, there is no limit. It's just all in here right now. You have been called to be a part and do more than listen. You've been called to learn, absorb, sit in your space, let those things that have been chasing you in, lend them to Jesus, recognizing tomorrow's a different day. Lending to Jesus. Put yourself in a group of people who can remind you and that you can remind and watch God bring the victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to close with Hannah's prayer. It's a pretty epic prayer. This is a prayer of victory that she sings before God after, I think, lots and lots of learning. This is what she says. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. There is no more so very proudly. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Remember who's writing this. Remember who's reading this to you right now. This is her. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children's forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. Last verse. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. This is a prayer of victory that I give to you 
This is in 1 Samuel chapter 2 if you want to spend time in it this week. Make it your morning devotion. Highlight the parts that frustrate you and then pray about them. The ones that make you excited, use to encourage yourself, but spend time in the parts that frustrate you. Spend time with the emotions you feel while reading it. Ask God what it is he wants to take from you and then lend it to him. We serve an incredible God. And all he's asking is that you will trust his part of your story. Just say to him, God, because you did all these things, so will I. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's in this place right now, we just take a moment to allow your spirit to remind and resonate within us. It's within this, within this place right now that we just exhale, Lord, and recognize that there is so much unsaid about our lives, so much undealt with, but God, you see it all and you accept it all. We are blown away that God of all creation would spend time to listen to my worries, the things that maybe I thought were dandelions, but to you, God, you know are really dragons for me. May you just speak, Lord, assurances of your presence. May you, may you lift, God, the burdens I carry by myself as I lend them to you for all time. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God above it all who decided to give, who gave his son, who gave his love, who gave his salvation for one like me that can only overpromise and underdeliver. Thank you, Father, that we can be in this place right now to receive from you in Jesus' name, amen. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. With no point of reference You spoke to the dark And fleshed out the wonder of life And as you speak A hundred billion galaxies are born In the vapor of your breath The planet and if the stars amaze the worship so light I can see your heart in everything you make Every burning star signal fire grace And if creation sings your praises so alive Don't speak in vain, 
Designed in a way. 
Like you would again a hundred billion times But what measure could amount to your desire You're the one who never leaves the one serve a God who wants to take you where you don't want to go. He wants to heal your unhealable things. And he is waiting for you to dive into relationship with him. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, I want you right now, you can do it with your eyes open. Just say, God, it's me. I'm here. I need this. I need you. I want to be different. I believe you died on a cross tired, Jesus, of living my own way. So I choose yours. Forgive me and make me your own. All of God's people said amen. Let's pray to him. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this week that we're going to spend time in this chapter. We're just going to be God together as a community spread all across our county, just asking God what it is you want to highlight, asking, Lord, where it is you want to take us. May we, Lord, think about our friends and family that need to be on this journey with us. Thank you, Lord, for all the ways you've already provided that we don't even know about. You are worthy of our praise. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. God bless. Have a great week.